best hair in the league. <laughs> These are important facts. <laughs> These are important facts. Cover boy for the show. Aaron Sanchez is in the rotation. Sanity. Yeah. It's amazing how sanity prevails sometimes. Storin is a switch hitter. It might be important awesome. during during the interleague contest. Switching pitchers are the best. I'm not going to talk about Ryan Tapera. I'm going to call him by his proper name, which is not Pat Venditti. <laughs> and welcome to Artificial Turf Wars Episode 5 where we predict the future flawlessly, but only in other timelines. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight for a very special episode by Josh Housem. Hello, Josh. Hey. And Chris Sherwin. Gentlemen. Good day, sir. So, Chris, Josh, and I, we are going to go through 25 men on the roster in 50 minutes. It's a daunting task, but we did it last year. We had lots of fun with it. So, without further ado... I'm going to let Josh take the wheels here. We're going to start with the catchers. Russell Martin, you have two minutes to give us the Russell Martin story for 2016. Go. Okay, so Russell Martin, 5'10", 205-pound catcher. Basically, he's one of the key guys on this team in terms of how he handles the pitching staff with you know Sanchez joining the rotation, two new guys coming in. He's not catching Ari Dickey this year, so he actually has potential to be even better his season last year, even though he set a career high in homers. And if he just stays healthy, then I mean, he's, he's kind of the, the forgotten guy on this team, but he's super important. He is getting paid all of the dollars uh, in terms of the biggest free agent contract that the blue Jays have ever signed. And he's still making those dollars. And he is so much a step up from the next guy. We're going to talk about, I think that's <laughs> super important that he stays on the field. Yeah. Um, now, do yeah, does everybody know what he was dealing with last year in the last half of the season, or has that kind of gotten swept under the rug, do you think? I think it kind of has been swept under the rug. Josh kind of touched on it. He became the forgotten man, and so was his injury that he was dealing with, which so, I've already forgotten what it was. <laughs> well, I believe he had a thumb problem at first, and then there was something about a back problem. No, it was I, his leg. It was leg, his yeah, leg. That's what it was. Hamstring, yeah. I believe it was. Yeah, he uh, he had just it was his hamstring and his quad, like just his legs in general. But part of it was just the way he had to set up for Dickey was just taking such a toll on him and not being able to get in his normal crouch because he had to react to the ball as opposed to just you know being knowing it was going to go. You make that sound very dramatic, um, but it obviously was. he got hurt, <laughs> and then he yimped around for a month and a half. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens now that he is he is freed of the yoke of R.A. Dickey, at least for one season. Uh, our next um, person of interest is for Chris to tell us about Josh Tolley. Oh, my favorite, Josh Tolley. He's a left-handed hitter, 6'1", 205, and we will call him a catcher. <laughs> and... <laughs> They call him that because he has one job to do, and that is to catch R.A. Dickey's knuckleball so that Russell Martin doesn't have to think about it anymore. Beyond that, he might take a walk every now and then, but uh, other than that, doesn't have a whole lot of use. 
he, yeah, he's, he's left-handed, back. right? When he hits left-handed, right? <laughs> but like, I mean, he does. But there are no left-handed catchers. Although, yeah, but, but for all the good he does, other than catching a knuckleball, he may as well be a left-handed catcher. <laughs> now, people may think we're not being very nice here, but the truth is, we're not being very nice here because he hurts the team in a in a way that is because really he's bad. Yeah, I mean, it's just lousy. It's because he's a left-handed. Uh, batter so he might have a platoon advantage except when you play his left-handedness is absolutely irrelevant to who the opposing pitcher is it's only about who R.A. Dickey is so often he gets <laughs> stuck in there against a tough left-hander anyway if that's where Dickey's turn in the rotation comes up so throw that out the window too um I did did we think they were going to replace him before the season started no as long as Dickey's on the roster Tolly's here that's pretty much the way it is don't you remember Henry Blanco? Yeah, that lasted, what, a week? <laughs> uh, two months, I think. But then he turned yeah. 45 or 46 and retired. <laughs> yeah, Maybe but anyway, no. Not quite Dickie has basically said that he likes throwing to Tolly, and, well, that's it. All right. So we will move on to the infielders. Uh, first one on our list is a backup infielder. Darwin Barney hits right, <laughs> five foot ten. 180 pounds. So, yeah. Uh, Darwin is is what we call diminutive. Darwin is here right now because Devin Travis is on the disabled list and they need somebody who can spell all three positions um, in the event that Josh Donaldson needs a day off and or something works out with Goins and Tulowitzki and shuffling around. Barney is not here for his bat at all, though apparently in the spring he decided to hit a couple of big doubles and he started off really hot I, I don't even look at the numbers but we aren't expecting anything out of him on that side of the ball he is in in every essence a backup defensive replacement infielder which is pretty yep. cool um what else do we have about darwin barney well i mean you should mention he's a backup infielder but he's really really good at it i mean hmm. this isn't a Munenori kawasaki situation where he's the backup and it's just like he can't really do anything well darwin barney is an elite defensive player He's probably, he's, I mean, Ryan Goins is great. Darwin Barney is probably better. Yeah, I, I wasn't attempting to disparage him. I, I was saying that he's No, here. no, it's just, yeah. we, it should be mentioned whenever you talk about him, though, because like, he still does have some value. Absolutely. Any comment on him, Chris? You have like 30 seconds. I, what can we say other than <laughs> what you guys said? There's nothing more to add. We, we could say Barwin Darney. Uh, no, can... no, no, no. <laughs> Get that crap out of here. You see? You can't say anything else. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Next, he's going to throw like a Jordan crying meme into this somehow. It's an it's, it's audio, but he'll do it anyway. <laughs> Look, here it is. Yeah, no, I, even you guys can't see me, so it's really not working. Uh, okay, Josh, we can move on. We can move on to Chris Colabello. 6'4", 210 pound, right hand hitting first baseman, I guess. <laughs> uh, hey. Well, thank God he's not in the outfield anymore. Uh, you know, yes. I, I don't know if I'm quite a cola believer anymore. I mean, I, I, I believe I cola believe a little bit. You know, he had a great season last year, which was really fueled by luck, but he's got power. He can play first base pretty well. Actually, he showed that in the playoffs and he can hit a little bit. So it's like he's a good player and they don't need him to be great. So as long as he's healthy, then I'm, I think that he's going to be a pretty good player for this team. So everyone is up and down about whether, well, first of all, his, his, 
batted, batting average on balls in play was ridiculously high last year. Yeah, Part it was over 400. Because things we see about little balls trickling in between infielders and swinging bunts, and, and you're looking at a guy who does not move quickly, as evidenced by his time in the outfield, still managing to leg out infield hits or thread the needle between two infielders with a, with a ground ball. Yeah, I think like his most famous hit was the walk-off against Houston, and that was like a 20-hopper of the middle. <laughs> so he's a weird player to watch. Are you a, a, a Now, obviously that's going to regress to something that resembles normal, but to you, Chris, knowing he works, who he works with and that, do you think his swing is enough to produce an above-average kind of batting oh. average on balls in play? I, I do not. I, you know, I, I kind of flip-flop about being a color believer. I, I, last year I was only because I'm a Tewksbury guy. Um, but I, I think you're going to see a lot of regression from him this year. But I still think he's a valuable player. He's, he, he still has some talent. He can hit. And as long as he's not playing anything else but first base and Gibby doesn't put him out there because he loves him as much as he does every single day, then I think he has value. There you go. So now that you, I've, I've made you say something nice about Chris Colabello, practically, I will let you say whatever you want to say about Josh Donaldson because he's the next player on our list. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll start with the, the essentials. Right-hander, 6'1", 210, reigning MVP, best hair in the league. <laughs> <laughs> These are important facts. <laughs> These are important facts. Cover boy for the show. Oh, my God. Just, we could gush about Josh Donaldson Television star. all day long. Uh, yeah, television star, Viking or whatever it is. Yep. Uh, his walk-up music was awesome last year. Terrible this year. It. Terrible this year. Uh, I, I mean, I just uh, Josh Donaldson is a Blue Jay. What can what can you say about this guy? He's he's just he's incredible. I I, I don't expect him to you know win back to back MVPs, but God, what a what a fun player to watch. Uh, we were worried about his defense last year. What? Coming into the season, coming into the season, <laughs> simmer down. Hey, you wrote an article about it. <laughs> I was never worried about his defense. I was worried about his throwing, but I was never hey, worried about his defense. His, that's part well, of his defense. Yes, but overall, he was always a good defender. He was a good defender, but there was concerns there, and I believe that he was even better than we expected on defense. Yes. I don't. <laughs> I thought he was as, as advertised. Well, you, when did he make a bad throw? How do you start Josh Donson without just going MVP? <laughs> MVP. He had to leave something for you to say. Well, I, I did say he was MVP. Was in there? But you weren't How often so, we so, Sorry, my, I didn't chant for you. Uh, right. We get to do that. Let's see. 1987 to 2015. That's uh, 87, 97, 2007. To, every 28 years, we get to say MVP, MVP. <laughs> I, just, I just did all that so Greg would have to do math on the show. I might have even got it wrong. So I'm sure there'll be cards and letters coming in. <laughs> Uh, so that concludes the Josh Donaldson portion of our program. I'm sorry, we can only give him the requisite two minutes. I get Edwin Encarnacion. So Edwin Encarnacion hit 39 home runs last year. Uh, he is six foot one, 230 pounds. Do we really believe there's 20 pounds difference between Josh Donaldson and Encarnacion, but no difference between <laughs> Colabello and Donaldson? Anyway. Uh, listed weights are funny. <laughs> Well, we don't have Deanna Navarro to really point out the horrible discrepancies in listed 205 weights. 205 pounds, <laughs> sure. <laughs> With one foot on the scale. Um, Encarnacion, incredibly uh, disciplined contact type hitter for a guy with the power that he has. 
Uh, he's in a walk year, which is going to come up, obviously, with a few players here. I think if he can avoid the, my back doesn't feel quite right, but I'm playing, or my wrist doesn't feel quite right, but I'm going to play through it portion of the season, he can easily exceed 40 home runs this year. I'm thinking they're going to pretty much keep him away from first base even more than last year to try and preserve that because they do have both Smoke and Colabello. Smoke, who is excellent defensively, and Colabello, who, again, did not embarrass himself at any point playing first. He saved that for left field, um, where even he didn't want to didn't want to be when he was out there. So Encarnacion, I'll leave it up to you guys what I forget. Well, I guess we should mention that he has been dealing with some many <laughs> injury issues this spring. But he officially declared himself fit to go for opening day. I love when they do that. <laughs> we, yeah, we it didn't, didn't work out so well for uh, for Aaron Loop, but for Encarnacion, <laughs> I think it's going to be okay. Uh, I, think, have- I think you're right. The only time he's going to see first base is on the is when they play in the National League parks. Yeah, do whatever they can to keep him on the field because he's. I mean, he you, you can make a case he's the best hitter on this team. Yes, it'd be a tough case, but I can see it. Um. All right. That gives you the next slot, Josh, with uh, Ryan Goins. <laughs> From the best hitter in the lineup to the worst. Arguably the best. Yeah, to well, definitely to argue, the worst. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Pilar's Come proven on. more than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan Goins, left-handed bat, 5'10", 180. Yeah, I think that could be legit. Um, now, I, I called him the worst. I think he's going to be okay. I, I honestly do. I don't know what happened to make me suddenly believe in Ryan Goins as a bat, but he started taking more pitches last year and things started to work out. He always had a nice swing. He had a little bit of pop. You know, he just, if he can put up the same overall season as he did last year with his defense, he's actually a reasonable player to have on a roster. Whereas in 2014, he was like, he could have been Ozzie Smith version of second base and had no business on the baseball team. <laughs> An OPS of four something. All right, it's at this point that I actually turned to get an opinion from Chris, and we found out that Chris did not respond. Not because he was unhappy, but because due to technical difficulties and a power outage, he was no longer able to connect. Now, I don't know, Josh, do you ever watch Top Gear? I have. Do you know what happens when one of them breaks down during a Top Gear long-distance challenge? (laughs) It's been a long time since I've watched, so I don't remember. They leave that guy to sort out his problems and completely ignore him and soldier on so we are going to top gear chris now <laughs> i think it's just because he didn't want to talk about ryan going it's like nope sorry i'm done <laughs> that's, that's i draw the line at ryan goings odd spot <laughs> to draw the line uh, i think we said pretty much everything we needed to say about ryan uh i guess we will move on to justin smoke and bid a farewell to chris so justin smoke switch hitter apparently uh, throws left, six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds. Switch hitter basically on this team in name only because he's going to be, be blah, the platoon partner for Chris Colabello at first base, and then occasionally I guess spell off whoever the DH is. I, I don't know, fill in a few other days here and there. So he's only going to be seen ninety nine percent of the time as a left handed hitter facing right handed hitters. Smoke hits with a lot of power, which they've always known. He really showed that off. I, his home runs remind me in a way of Colby Rasmus's home runs in that they, once he gets a hold of one, bombs. <laughs> it just 
there's no question. There, there's none of this running up to the wall and trying to grab it back or anything. Um, that said, he, he obviously, he really does not switch hit nearly as well as, as most switch hitters do. And he certainly doesn't switch hit as well as Chris Colabello. So it limits his impact. Where he has more impact, of course, is on the defensive side of the ball, where he adds one more player to what might be one of the best defensive infields in baseball. I think you brought that up this week on Twitter. Yeah, I, th- I think it is probably the best defensive infield in baseball. You've got you know elite defenders at three of the four positions, or four of the five if you count catcher, and Smoke can more than hold his own at first base. Uh, Which is a long time since the Jays have had that kind of around the, the diamond defense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it should really help the pitching staff, which we haven't gotten to yet, but... I, I think that it helps everybody play up. One of the things that's funny, last year's smoke, 839 OPS against lefties. He, but it was the Adam <laughs> Lynn special. Do you remember that one year when Adam Lynn threw like 40 at-bats was just destroying lefties and people were like, he should play more against them. And then he went back to sucking. Welcome to regression. Yeah, last year, Justin Smoke had 40 played appearances against lefties. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't. Put too much stock in that. All right, we have spent our time on Justice Smoke. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki for you. Stud. <laughs> That's all I'm say. No, yeah. no two minutes. <laughs> Six three, two hundred and five pounds. Uh, we we obviously didn't see his best last year when he was here. You know, he didn't play very well, and then somehow broke a bone when he got hit by a chin, <laughs> like a really unbreakable <laughs> bone, apparently. Not for Troy Tulowitzki. And not for he Kevin Pillar's chin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think Tulowitzki is going to be the Blue Jays MVP this year. That was one of your bold, one of your predictions in our preseason prediction piece. And it would certainly throw a wrinkle in things because he was, he was probably the fifth best hitter on the team for the time he was with the team. But I think the other thing... Not people, even. He was probably like the seventh or eighth best hitter. He wasn't very good here. One of the things that people really forget is when he came back... There's a shot of him. I was going through some old footage and stuff of a press conference with the post game. And Tulowitzki is wrapped in this shoulder ice pack thing just so he can get around for the next day. Don't think that that didn't affect him somewhat, um, as well as the, you know, the, the transition problem of a, a place where you played your whole life. But he was genuinely still hurt, I'm sure, even into the playoffs when he started hitting bombs again. I, he really really sucked it up for this team and i think we'll definitely see better if only for that reason that he's not literally broken well yeah i mean i agree with you i mean he but he he wasn't broken when he first came over and he still wasn't very good but you know like you said it was a transition from the only team he'd ever played for in his life and he did hit better in the playoffs and he is crushing this spring and he's got the new leg kick like everybody else but it just comes down to he's troy Tulowitzki. he's awesome and we know he's going to be awesome in the field as well, which is the thing yeah. we didn't have with that other shortstop. All right. Oh, what, what an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> we will move on to Jose Bautista. Jose is getting older, but does not believe it. He is uh, bats right-handed, <laughs> of course. Six foot, oh, 205 pounds. That may actually be accurate. And with all the pictures of him beside everybody, he always looks like a skinny little guy compared to like David Ortiz and Encarnacion and that. And then... Well, my favorite quote there, he's like, one of the reporters asked him, I was like, why? I think it was Cabby. It's like, why don't you have muscles like him? And, but he's like, I like my clothes to fit. <laughs> I, I can hit 54 home runs this size. I'm sure I don't need to do anything differently. Um, Bautista is, I would say, looking 
like a real liability defensively. Um, <laughs> Especially last year. I've been in denial about that for a whole season, but last year I was like, what are you doing, dude? So um, I hope that that comes back a little bit because he, he was always, you know, maybe a little below average with an incredible arm to make up for it. But last year it was like, why have you not gone back on that ball? Or why are you two or three steps short of where you should be? Um, you know, it's good that he has Kevin Pillar to cover some of that other ground for him. Um, but on the flip side, I, I really don't think we're going to see very much loss in the offense department. Um, so he's, he's going to be the heart, one of the three guys in the heart of this order. So what more can you ask for? Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially entering his walk year and he's like trying to prove to everybody he's going to age like every, like nobody in history. And he's shown no signs of decline the last two. Yeah. (laughs) That, 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 that that bonds guy wasn't bad. Uh, He showed last year though. I mean, in the last couple years, no decline. He's just as awesome as he's always been. And except for in right field, I, I, you know, he's going to be the anchor in the middle of this lineup again. I, I, I have no, I don't have any question about that as long as he stays healthy. So, that's Bautista. We move on to probably the best name among all the position players. Well, not even probably, by far. Ezekiel Carrera. <laughs> 5'11", 185 pounds, lefty thrower and hitter. You mentioned that Bautista was you know, always two to three feet short of where he was supposed to be. Ezekiel Carrera was always there, but his hand was just two to three inches farther away than it was supposed <laughs> to be. We made the joke about this on the podcast before, but that man needs to measure his arms. <laughs> he just doesn't know where they end. Maybe they could move the glove down his wrist a little bit, and that way he would have some you other. He's incredible, like run, and it's like, oh my god, he's gonna catch it using his speed, and he reaches out and hits him in the wrist, triple. Especially um, the dives. The dives yeah. were the worst. He overdived the ball uh, forward. Yeah, um, he's only here because he's out of options. I mean, uh, if if Daryl Siciliani had uh, no options, he'd be the guy. He has. He's a better hitter than than Carrera. He's probably a better fielder than Carrera. Yeah, but Carrera's not bad. I mean, last year he hit 273, 321, 372, which, you know, as a backup outfielder, you'll take that every time. You just hope that the guy can catch the ball. He he does look like he looks as inconsistent as a fourth outfielder you would think would look as well. Because he has some games where, you know, two or three hits, and you think, well, this guy, he's pretty fast. He looks like he knows what he's doing. And and then he'll go through these fucks. He doesn't where- run though. He's fast, but he doesn't steal bases. Well, yeah. It's another sort of enigmatic part of his game. And then the one time he hit a home run, it was like a... I think he hit four or five last year. I don't have it in front of me. Three? Yeah. But one of them saved a game for the Jays. It was like in the eighth or ninth (laughs) inning. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to save your home runs, that's what you save them for. (laughs) No garbage (laughs) time for you. Uh, It was just so unexpected. So maybe we'll get more unexpected out of Mr. Carrera. It, look, I get to talk about Kevin Pillar. Hey, Kevin Pillar. I today. Uh, bats right, six foot oh, two hundred and five pounds, defensive wizard, as you wrote about today. Um, sort of. Sometimes you notice that outfielders' defensive wizardry is a whole lot of luck, um, especially on those almost made them plays. I, I don't know if Kevin Pilar's batting is also a whole lot of luck, though he seems to manage <laughs> to find a way to hit at every level good enough to keep him at that level or in, in the past move him up to the next level. 
I know a lot of people are sold on the value of Kevin Pillar. I am still a detractor. I must confess. I, I like the guy. I just really, I can't stand players who are allergic to walks. And Kevin Pillar acts like walks or some sort of, like if he's the Superman with the Jewish symbol on him, it's like Superman Jewish kryptonite of some kind <laughs> to take a walk. It's like, relax, dude. It's, he never even gets into 3-0 counts. That's how bad well, it is. Especially as the leadoff hitter. He gets into half as many 3-0 counts as Bautista and Encarnacion do. That's how hack-happy he is, When you, if you want to think of it one way or another. Well, I mean, I don't think the numbers should be equal just because guys pitch, pitchers throw around those guys. But Half yeah, as he, many? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It shouldn't be half. And I, like, The thing I wrote today was about how he thinks you know, and what he's doing to try to repeat last season. I don't even think he's going to be that good defensively again. Right. I think he'll be good because he gets really good reads on the ball. I mean, it, he's actually got a natural instinct for center field. But all those diving, jumping, sliding catches, I mean, some of those he's just not going to catch again, right? No, they're coin flips. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're diving for the ball at full extension, that's a coin flip. You can miss it with horrible results. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, we will go to the last position player, I believe, on our list, Michael Saunders. And how happy is he that we get to actually talk about him? I bet I you mean, he's overjoyed, even though he doesn't listen to the show. I bet you. Oh, some of course of the, he does. He, he's <laughs> the biggest fan of Artificial Turf Force, and you know it. I would say of any of the players who might listen to the show, I would give Michael Saunders, <laughs> the homegrown Canadian, actually a shot at knowing what the heck it is. <laughs> oh, man. Almost got traded for Jay Bruce. Sorry, 6'4". 225 pounds left-handed bat uh almost got traded for jay bruce and then pretended he didn't almost get traded for jay bruce um yeah he was the guy that was supposed to be our starting left fielder last year and then famously lost part of his knee <laughs> when he stepped on a sprinkler but that the uh, loss of the knee wasn't the actual problem no that was the, the surgery afterwards yeah they didn't give he, him back a knee he still doesn't have it but he's playing now <laughs> yeah well it, it, he was supposed to be back after a month and it just didn't work out but he's playing well. He looked really good in spring training. You know, he's swinging for power, turning on balls inside. And those are the things that you might not see with a guy with knee issues. So, I mean, he was coming in on balls reasonably well. The throwing seems to be a little tentative, but it's also spring training. So maybe he was just trying to save his knee as much as possible. But I think he's going to be really good. Yeah. The only thing is he has a talent for the nagging and or minor injury that keeps him out for X number of games. Um, if, He's if, a talent in, for the big ones, too. <laughs> yes. It, to the point where getting 500 at bat, at plate appearances out of him would be fantastic. So we cross our fingers for 500 plate appearances, and then maybe Dalton Pompey's waiting in the wings if something does happen. You know, yeah, I think that's the way it's like, you know, it's like he, we talked about Ezekiel Carrera, but he's not going to be. No, the he's guy not taking over. For goes Kevin down. Absolutely not. We agree or on Mike something. Saunders. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. That moves us to the pitchers who are going to come in, um, well, do, I guess no particular order. Uh, <laughs> alphabetical order, actually, I'm lying. Joe Biagini is an interesting case. Right-handed, 6'5", 240 pounds. It is a big man. He was, uh, this week, surprised almost to make the roster. He's a Rule 5 pick from the Giants. That's it, yep. Um, which means that the Jays can't put him into the minor leagues if he's on the bubble he's going to make the major league teams because then they have to offer him back to the giants um 
for is it twenty five or fifty thousand dollars? I forget what the weird rules are. Yeah, you pay fifty thousand dollars to take him and you send him back for twenty five. Even funnier is it didn't sound when I saw him being interviewed like Mr. Biagini even understood what the rules were when he got picked up in the Rule Five draft. That he's like learned it in bits and starts. That oh, it is hard for them to get rid of me. Oh, okay, well that's good. Um, <laughs> seems like he's quite the Joker. Has a sense of humor. Um, is he any good? Well, that's yeah. a question. Go no, ahead. I saw him in spring training. He's pretty good. His fastball is he's can get up to 96, 97, and he's got a good curveball. I mean, the fastball can get a bit straight at times, which, you know, like that will happen. He, t- he took a leap forward in the minors last year, too. So it was kind of a surprise that the Giants didn't protect him. But I think that he's got a good shot to not only pitch on this team, but to stick around after Estrada comes back and maybe even be a guy that sticks around as a decent member of this bullpen for a while. And the thing is, we're not looking at this guy as, oh, you better take the seventh or eighth inning all the time. Um, he is your fifth potential reliever, fourth or fifth, somewhere in there. So he doesn't have to be fantastic. He has to be solid. Yeah. I mean, he had 2.42 ERA in AA last year, which is not bad. A little old for the league, but not super old. Oh, he's 25? Yeah, 25. Yep. Uh, next, Brett Cecil. Squints. Woo! <laughs> And his friend, Sir Six. Charles. Yeah, damn right. 6'3", <laughs> <laughs> 235. I think he is among the best relievers in baseball. Um, he hasn't given up an earned run since June of last year. <laughs> Still. <laughs> it's just weird. Uh, yeah. He, uh, you, know, you, you mentioned it, right? Sir Charles. <laughs> he has the best curveball, or among the best curveballs in baseball. It comes in 85 miles an hour. It doesn't move a lot, but it's so hard, and it moves so sharply. The hitters just can't hit it. You know, last year he had 70 strikeouts in 54 innings. The year before that, 76 strikeouts in 53 innings. He's just nasty. Uh, lefties, righties, doesn't really matter. And you know, he's going to be a key guy for this team. Like, he's going to really help the bullpen. If you listen to him in a couple of little interviews I've seen, he doesn't believe, it seems, that the curveball is as good as it really is. Like It's almost like he doesn't believe it could possibly be that deceptive. Because he talks about, well, I don't want to lean on the curveball. I don't want to rely on it too much. But Kyle, Matt, um, wrote an article. And the more Cecil leaves on the, on the curveball and makes that his primary pitch, the more trouble hitters have with him. It's crazy. Um, so Yeah, I remember actually yelling at my TV a few times. Or maybe just in my head. But I, I probably was out loud a couple times too. Give him the hook. The, yeah, when he's throwing, it's like, throw the curveball. What are you doing? Yeah, it's weird. It's just crazy. But again, it's it's odd because most most pitchers, if they keep doubling up on the breaking ball and tripling up on it, the, the batter goes, all right, I'm just going to hit the breaking ball. It doesn't seem to work that way with Cecil. Yeah, <laughs> he's great. So we'll see what happens next. Um, okay, our next guy is uh, Jesse Chavez for you. For me. No, I just did Cecil. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Jesse Chavez, right-handed, six foot two, 175 pounds, picked up from Oakland in a trade for Liam Hendricks, which everybody got mad about because Liam Hendricks was cool and Australian or New Zealand. <laughs> I don't think I, that was it, but okay. no, that's not why they got mad. Uh, they basically traded a much improved one inning guy for a much improved multiple inning guy slash swingman, which at the time was what the bullpen was well 
okay, they didn't know what they needed at the time, I don't think. But my assumption it was is they they made a calculated risk that they were going to be able to find some one inning guys, whereas a a swingman like Chavez who could start um, in a pinch wasn't going to be around. Should be interesting. He was very good with Oakland last year, but not great. He used to be a Blue Jay. I this organization, like most organizations seems to feel like they have a better handle on players who they have had in the organization before than some unknown quantity. And I think that's funny be because point. the guys you know, who are running the team now were not here when he was on the Jays. Um, Chef is an interesting guy because as you said, he did reasonably well as a starter, not at the end of the season for the last two years, his velocity has really dipped at the end because he was in the rotation. And, and as the swing man and the guy who goes in and makes a spot start here or there, I think he's really going to be able to keep that up and actually end up with better over overall end of the season numbers. I think it was a really good pickup because, you know, last year who was the swing man after Estrada went down? It was like Todd Redmond? Uh, you know, it's like that, Chad Jenkins? the Jays have guys that can pitch. <laughs> yeah. Chad Jenkins got DFA'd and no one picked him up. That's something right there. I feel bad for Chad Jenkins, but I, I we don't have time for him, unfortunately, because we only have fifty minutes. Yeah. Uh our next pick is R.A. Dickey. Ah, uh, Dickey. 6'3", 215. We sort of talked about him already you know, when it came to Josh Tolley, which is, you know, that's the biggest negative with Dickey is that, you know, he comes with a caddy, a bad player that has to be on the roster. But when it comes to actually pitching, you know, he's pretty good. <laughs> he yes. provides something that nobody else in the rotation does. He's an innings eater to the extreme. He's thrown over 215 innings every inning with the, every season with the Blue Jays. Actually, I lied. He threw 214 and a third last year. <laughs> First, I thought you said 250, and I was like, uh, but you said 215. Yes, so 215. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he'll throw 215 innings, you know, of league average pitching, which it's really useful. It helps save the bullpen, which helps them the next game and the next game. So it has a sort of a cascading effect, especially with some of the other stars we're going to get to who don't go deep in games. The other thing with Dickey is when he finds it, and you don't know how long he's going to find it for or whether it's going to come and go because it's a knuckleball. But when he finds it, he is really excellent. It's, yeah. it's not like every start is this kind of middling, oh, he gave up three runs and seven and a third and or four runs and we kind of... Th- no, he'll have times when he blows up and he can't figure it out. But when he figures it out, you can get eight or nine innings out of him and one run or no runs or, you know, really excellent performances. So, you know, it's... If if the timing is lucky, he actually can be a huge asset for a stretch of the season. You just have to accept that with a knuckleballer, right? Yeah, and just with him, though, it also seems to happen as the weather gets warmer, he starts to throw it a bit harder. You know, the last couple of years, he's gotten shelled early in the season. And once it got to June, he just turned it on and was amazing. He was the guy that they thought they were getting from the Mets. Yeah. So, uh, again, we'll see what happens. He is, whoops, a year older, but mm, that doesn't seem to be a huge deal. Uh, final year of his contract, right? Yes. Do we consider this a walk year <laughs> or a retirement <laughs> year? We're not sure. <laughs> I don't know him. Um, are we going to skip the next alphabetical guy and come back to him later? Because he's on yes. the DL. All right. So yes. we're going to skip Estrada. We're going to go to Gavin Floyd. Uh, throws right. Six foot four, 245 pounds. Um, Floyd came into camp looking for the fifth starter job, and he lost it. So... One of the things that was discussed was, uh, I won't go into great lengths about Aaron Sanchez, because obviously he's coming up, but 
was the durability of the other starters. And then everyone was looking at Gavin Floyd in my mind and going, well, Gavin Floyd's the guy who fills in for you. And I'm like, well, how does Galvin Floyd fill in for you since he hasn't got any workload built up at all over the last two years? He's barely made any appearances whatsoever. He's been rehabbing from a broken bone in his upper or lower arm. I don't even know where that uh, bone is. Lower arm. I think it was around his elbow. So he, like Steve Delabar, has a plate in his arm, correct? Yep. So, I mean, he's, he's the bionic man, which is cool and everything. I would much rather lay my bet on uh, on the younger Aaron Sanchez than the older, obviously not durable anymore, Gavin Floyd. Um, he sounded like he was very good out of the pen last year in Cleveland. Let him be good out of the pen in, in Toronto. And if need be, you try and stretch him out and move him back into the rotation. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just completely write him off as a guy who could who could make 30 starts. Uh, there's no, I mean, it's unlikely as for all the reasons you just mentioned, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. But as a reliever, I think he's pretty good. I mean, his stuff plays up. He throws in the mid-90s. He's got his slider comes in at 90s. Still has that really good curveball. I saw him down the spring too, and he looked really good. He looked healthy, and he was using his four-seam fastball with two strikes really well, elevating it, getting strikeouts. But yeah, I mean, he's going to be a good reliever that's what he should be <laughs> you know, it's like sorry sorry gavin yeah 60 innings over the last four years doesn't get you a spot in the rotation it fair is fair all right next j a no j hap six five two hundred and five pound string beam left-hander j hap uh he's the interesting guy he um of all the guys in the rotation i'm not sure what he's going to do you know, last year he went over to Pittsburgh with the you know the pitcher whisperer Ray Searage. Just like so, if you go there, you want to re- resurrect your career and get money, go to Pittsburgh. Um, he dominated. He pitched like Clayton Kershaw for the end of, for the last two months. Zero was like one and a half or two or something like that. Uh, but he's also Jay Happ. You know, he's yeah. a guy who's fine and fine. <laughs> That's what he is. He's a you know fourth fifth starter. But if any of those changes held, he could be a really big asset for this team. I think the Blue Jays would are banking on him being more than fine. I think that's what they they bought when they they brought him on for you know more than a one year contract. Um, I'm hoping he's better. All I remember about him is he has an excruciating kind of pace, not as bad as like the worst pitchers, but he's certainly no Mark Burley. Um, <laughs> And he used to have a serious aversion to just getting in there and seeing if he could throw a strike from time to time, which also drove me crazy. He's just not. He, he started using his fastball more, too, though. So I think that will help that. He threw a lot more strikes in Pittsburgh. That was the big thing. Good, because he was not fun when he wasn't throwing strikes when he was here. It was just like. No. You know, he's lucky he throws 95. I mean, he's like, you just throw over the plate. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I guess, as long as he's decent, like if he's good, then. Great. You know, like, congratulations. Oh. Oh, oh, it appears that our uh, our compatriot has caught up with us. Let us see if I can get Chris back on the line here. All right. So we have indeed caught up or been caught up with, I should say, by Chris. Welcome back, Chris. Hey, what's up? A little so miniature vacation. Before we, yeah, before we go, in a minute. You just <laughs> didn't want to talk about Ryan Goins. That's why you bailed, right? I love Ryan Goins. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm sorry, there isn't time to talk you about Ryan You were too Goins. excited to talk about him, and you you just couldn't handle it. Shorted your power. 
Or maybe Josh Donaldson was too exciting and he shorted out my power. Let's mm. go with that. You know what the truth is, though? You have come back in time for the most exciting player on the roster as determined by our scientific system. Uh, we have come, Chris, to Arnold Leon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is your opportunity to showcase his many talents. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> right-handed pitcher, 6'1", 210. And he is out of options. So he's on the roster. Yay! <laughs> he's on the roster. There you go. <laughs> That's about it, really, isn't it? Like the, the definition of a mediocre pitcher. Yeah. yeah. He did. Uh, well, you did you have anything on him, Josh, to you know broaden our horizons? <laughs> Not in his pitching ability. It's... <laughs> here's the question i have like when they're in the locker room do you think michael saunders just stares daggers at leon from that world baseball classic game a few years ago i forgot I about that oh my goodness uh, that, yeah hey, he's, he's the guy who threw it right to sony three times in a row and missed started the brawl no he, he got him on the third one did he get him on the third one yeah i thought he missed all three times and he finally just got fed up no, no, no didn't he hit about... him like in the in the hip yeah yeah uh, yeah, but so I was wondering if Saunders like, oh, I don't forget. <laughs> he got like like the na 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 hey hey goodbye song for when Leon inevitably gets waved. Oh my goodness! People come to us for the important information. Um, I think Josh still has a little bit of bitterness about that brawl. He remembers. I'm, I'm just channeling Michael Saunders. Okay? All right, a little Saunders sympathy. Okay, I, that still wasn't two minutes, but I think that's Friend enough. Of the podcast, Michael Saunders. No, I mean Leon is—he's not horrible. He's—he eh, he did really well in spring training, so they'll give him a shot. But as soon as Estrada's back, he's got to be the guy that goes. All right. So the next uh, target here is Roberto Osuna, which looks like it's me to talk about Roberto Osuna. Roberto oh, Osuna, you raked it again. I did it. I managed to do it. And I made it look like an accident. Uh, I I still love Roberto. I don't love the idea that he wants to relieve forever. That made me sad. I was like, dude, have you looked at your paycheck? Have you compared it to... Anyway. Um, but he wants to do what he wants to do. I Greg think it's that... sad because pitchers don't make as much money as they could. Interesting motivation, Greg. Yeah, that's just like, that's closed-minded. And you could be, I think you'd be a great starter. And he's young enough that he could transition to it. Regardless, uh, he was a very good reliever last year, and he certainly is a guy I want to see. And we get to see him in the ninth. I hope that John Gibbons doesn't shy away from using him for five outs or uh, or four outs when he needs him. He did it a couple of times last year when it was in uh, Sanchez got in trouble. I think the strategy pays off. I certainly think that Osuna can take the wear and tear at this point in his career. He's going to be set up by Drew Storen, so maybe he won't have a lot of fires to put out. But uh, youngest closer in the game still. Pretty cool. Chris, anything to add? I will when we go to our next guy. I don't know. We're still in still studying for another 23 seconds. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he's obviously more suited to a guy who can throw multiple innings. Kyle, Matt, again, wrote about this. I, but he wants to close and he'll be happier there. And Drew Storin is a free agent in the end of the year. So man, let us do it. You know, come out in the ninth inning with all the excitement. Good for him. See, Freaking all right. Kid. So this Josh, <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Sanchez, six, four, two twenty. Uh, speaking of people who got what they wanted. Oh, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> 
Oh, you know, we were talking about it every single podcast, and everybody else was talking about it, but Aaron Sanchez is in the rotation. Sanity. Yeah. It's amazing how sanity prevails sometimes. Um, dominated all spring. Mechanics are cleaner, throwing more strikes, throwing his curveball for strikes. Yeah, it's spring training, so the numbers are, don't mean a lot, but, I mean, you have to see what you got this, gotten this guy as a starter. He was starting to figure it out last year, and then he got hurt. But he's got himself built up, so oh, thank God, <laughs> Chris. Well, you know, I, I I love that he is starting. I'm not uh, I'm not too keen on the on the second part of the plan, which is to toss him into the bullpen. Um, I like that they are leaning towards you know protecting the arm and whatnot. Like I I, I don't want him obviously just going out there and tossing 200 innings. You know, he's never done that workload. My concern, of course, is that if he is just a lights-out starter and they just throw the brakes on him and toss him into the bullpen anyways, that's yeah. my concern. I, I think that they're going to pay a little more attention to like fatigue and how all that stuff happens. They just seem like a progressive organization that way. It's supposed to just, oh, he's at 160 innings. Time to shut him down. Yeah, it's a, it's a concern. Like I don't see them doing what the Nats did um, and just like completely shutting down Sanchez. Like, oh, he's great. Yeah, too bad. Well, he's being shut down anyways. Um, like you said, progressive organization. I'd like to think that if he's a lights-out starter, they'll let him continue. As long as there's no, like you said, no signs of fatigue and whatnot, they'll just, like, keep going with it. I think hope, but I'm, I still have a concern. Be interesting to see the impact of another guy who got essentially what he was working really, really hard for. Um, like yeah, happy players. Year. Maybe they so, perform better. Maybe. We'll find out. Uh, Chris, Speaking of you guys that probably aren't happy. <laughs> you're going to tee up on Drew Storen. Yes, Drew Storen, 6'1", 195. Much happier in the closing position. Uh, and he is now in the setup role, which he did not do too well in uh, in Washington last year. I when uh, Papelbon came out. Yes. It's all Isn't Papelbon's it just so fault. much easier to blame Papelbon for everything? I, I, I find that's he's just a ready-made villain. It's so <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, he really is. And he just uh, like you know, he just full heel. He's like, I don't care. I'm just gonna go choke out Bryce Harper in the dugout. <laughs> yeah, choke he, out the MVP of the league. Why not <laughs> laugh about it like a buffoon afterwards? If you're a heel, you have to double down. That's the rule. <laughs> and yeah. and Papelbon knows the rule, so yeah, he's the perfect heel. By the way, there, I just see a note here. Um. Storin is a switch hitter. <laughs> it might be important awesome. during during the interleague contest. <laughs> switch hitting pitchers are the best. It reminds me of Carlos Zambrano. Uh, funny thing about Storin, you mentioned him in the setup role. I mean, last year, he got yanked out of closer role and thrown into a bunch of games in a row. And he, it's like he gave up, I think it was 10 runs in five outings or something like that. Just blew up his numbers. But the year before, he was mostly the setup guy. And his ERA was 1.12. So he can definitely do it. He's just a guy that needs clean innings. He's not, he's not the guy you bring in in the middle of the inning. Like, uh, you know, like Brett Cecil, Cecil for example. And also um, what I was going to say, too, is, is you know, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about, you know, guys getting what they want. You know, he, he, he didn't want to leave that closer role. And then the heel came in and took over. And, you know, in a very small sample size, he didn't pitch all that well. So I think there's something to say to that as well. Yeah. And also things like, you know, when he comes here, he didn't come into a closer role and then lose it. Right. Yeah. So, 
Now he, he, he and it's also this is opening day, right? Things could change, but Drew Jordan's good. He's got that nasty slider, and he throws really hard. And oh. and my beeper's yeah. going off. Um, time's oh, silently this time. Thank you. Yes. Well, I try. <laughs> uh, all right. So we have Marcus Stroman. I get to talk about all the cool young pitchers who yeah, are I got Aaron Sanchez supposed to blow everybody out of the water. Um, Marcus Stroman obviously had the miracle comeback, the legendary return last year, and appears to be 100% on track for a full season this year for whatever season he wants to to do. They're not talking about innings limit very strongly with him, though obviously hitting 200 innings could be problematic. He keeps keeps trying to get better, which is admirable, and he's advertised that he's going to be just as pumped up as he ever was, which is really good fun to watch. So I'm going to give Marcus Stroman two thumbs up. Is that not how we're doing this? Is that? I don't understand. I have, I have a question for you guys. Uh, I was on Effectively Wild for the Blue Jays preview, and they asked me this, and I want to hear what you guys have to say. They asked me if the Jays should be comfortable with Marcus Stroman as the ace. Yes. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because it was actually my spiel was going to reference that exact interview that you did. Uh, because uh, because I agree with you. I'm not, I'm I don't I'm not really as comfortable as as people seem to say. I, I think people view Stroman and they're like, well, it's okay, you know, about losing price or whatever. It's like, well, Marcus Stroman is there, and I, I think everybody is just penciling him in as the next ace for the next decade. He's still incredibly unproven, <laughs> and I have all the faith in Marcus Stroman. I, I mean, I I'm one of these people who thinks he's going to be amazing. But I, I, you just can't, you know, you can't depend on that. I'm just, right. I'm surprised so many people have him penciled in as that. And we're going to leave us, we're going to leave him hanging because those are his two minutes. <laughs> so we can move on to Josh talking about Ryan Tapera. That's a uh, bit of a... I, I'm not going to talk about Ryan Tapera. I'm going to uh. call him by his proper name, which is not Pat Venditti. <laughs> <laughs> He's so bitter. <laughs> Not Pat Venditti is six foot two, one hundred ninety five pounds. Oh, I'm so bitter. I wanted him on the team. <laughs> um, and yeah, so not Pat Venditti. He had this weird thing last year where, for about thirty innings, he dominated lefties, which is why he got the spot over the real Pat Venditti. I'm wondering how many times I can say those words in the two minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he thirty. Dominated lefties, so it's like, okay, well, we don't need a second lefty. We have not Pat Venditti. And he's never done that before. Like in the minors in 2014, he got crushed by lefties. So I think that this could be an interesting wake-up call. Also, I'm guessing Mr. Tapera does not have options. Who? Not Pat Venditti. <laughs> he, he does have options. I don't know. Uh, it's a weird call. <laughs> that's greg's take nah i don't know <laughs> when you get down to the seventh guy in the bullpen or in our case we have eight guys in the bullpen due to a situation we're going to talk about in about 30 seconds how many innings are these guys going to get yeah well i mean that's that was the biggest argument for aaron sanchez being in the rotation it's just like, where are the innings <laughs> totally but yeah i mean he was good last year though so i guess he sort of earned his shot but they don't play the Marlins, so I can't use my, my potential headline. Tapera battered by fish. I so badly <laughs> wanted him to be struggling against the Marlins, but it's not going to happen. Last nope. call 
for the man on the DL, but we got to talk about him because he's going to be a key part of this team. Marco Estrada and the tail of the tight lower back. Who wants him? Go for it, Chris, since you missed a couple. No, Josh has got to take this. This is your golden boy. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. I, you know, I wrote about Estrada how many times last year? <laughs> <laughs> Spoke to him down in Dunedin. Smart dude. Um, I'm really curious to see what happens with him with Russell Martin when he gets back. Because everything he did was with Navarro. He said that, Nabar- that Martin and Pete Walker have studied you know, what made it work so well last year, but it is different. And I'm, and as Martin has said a few times, it's not, you know, pitch calling is an art. I mean, you, you can't just like, you can't just follow the numbers. You have to really sort of feel out the at-bats, but he did it differently than Navarro. So if he can repeat the way he pitched last year, I think he can be a solid number three starter. I don't think he's going to have a 305 ERA again or whatever it was uh, and lead the league in opponent's batting average, but I think he'll be pretty good. Yeah, I have the same concerns about about Martin, you know, and I'm I'm happy when I'm reading about uh, them studying what happens last year. But as Josh says, you know, when it comes down to pitch calling, uh, it being an art, you know, in the in the fifth inning when things are getting you know down and dirty, and Martin goes back to calling the way he just it, it just it instinct kicks in and he goes back to calling the way that he would normally call. That that's my concern is. Can, you know, watching video and studying what Navarro and him did, can that translate into a full game for, for all the starts? That, that's my biggest concern. For a guy who looks like he doesn't have remarkable stuff, he has an incredibly deceptive combination of pitches with that yeah, the change-up change fastball. Um, so I have, I have probably more faith in him than, than a lot of people do. I, I like him in the rotation, and, and I think that Russell Martin is a smart enough guy to figure out what to do with Marco Estrada, even if there are maybe growing pains in the first month or so. It's, it's not about intelligence. It's just, so, it's just about you know, the way that they typically call a game. He calls a game differently than Navarro, so which is, he'll have to be calling something outside of his normal comfort zone. I, I'm not saying he won't do it. It's just I'm curious to see how he does it. And there you go, folks. 26 men in... Uh, a slightly interrupted by technology <laughs> 52 minutes. Uh, do you have a quick final thought, Josh? It's supposed to start with Chris. Come on. If I know what Chris's answer is. What's huh? my answer? I'm sorry, guys. I don't have a final thought. <laughs> is that how we say it? Is that how we say it every week? No. <laughs> My final thought was that I was supposed to go to opening day and I was super jacked about it. And I found out today that I couldn't get it off work. Oh I'm man. Staying at home instead. Don't you feel a little, it's a, it's a uh, sad little, final little tickle thought. coming on for opening day. A little, little something in your throat there. Maybe a little, little sniffle. <laughs> Tell him you got sick from your podcast co-host. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me a computer virus. <laughs> exactly. Your final thought, Josh? My final thought is that Chris will not be at opening day. Uh, sorry, Chris. Can we, can we end okay. on a down, Rub it though, guys? Rub it in. <laughs> That's what I do. Pour some salt. You remember, I'm a big jerk. <laughs> uh, just this, my final thought is that this Montreal series, <laughs> I feel so bad for these people that are paid for the second game. Jays are sending, like, it's like Jay Happ is at least pitching the first one. <laughs> second one, bullpen game. <laughs> Scrubs. Uh. 
because opening day is the next day back in Tampa. Nobody's going to play. No. No, it's not like there was a break last year, wasn't there, between that last game? And yeah, the well, there was supposed to be a break this year. The Jays were supposed to open the season on Monday, but they got moved up to Sunday. At 3 p.m. Yeah. That's a weird st- I know they start games all day on opening day now, but it's just, I, I don't think the Jays have had the 3 p.m. start before. It's like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> 3 sure. p.m. in Eastern time zone. Sure. <laughs> totally logical. Thank you, Fox and or ESPN. All right, gentlemen, that means that uh, I don't have a final thought other than opening day is going to be here. And I'm very, very happy person because I am tired of games that I don't even care about the results of. This has been Artificial Turf Wars Episode 5. Do you want me to go with your Twitter handles? Sure. You are at Joshua Housem. That other guy there is at CW Sherwin. And I am at Coolhead2010 if you would like to get a hold of us. Or you can try and reach us at TurfPod on Twitter as well. Follow that for any podcast updates, question requests, contests, trivia, whatever we're doing. I don't know what we're doing with it yet. <laughs> uh, you have been Josh Housem and Chris Sherwin. And I have been Greg Wisniewski. And we will see you during the baseball season next week. Sweet.